0: Welcome to Living in Harmony, a podcast for Christian parents who want to make the peace in their household without sacrificing their sanity. Here, we talk about everything from sibling robbery to dating and how to raise your kids to be strong in their faith while maintaining your own. But don't worry, we're not all preachy here. That's the purpose of your church and your pastor. Here, we're here for you, to help you know you are not alone in this crazy journey called parenthood. So whether you're a seasoned pro or a brand new parent, living in harmony, this is the podcast for you. So grab some coffee or wine, we won't judge, and join us as we navigate the ups and downs of raising kids in a Christian household where the gospel is the center. Well, welcome back to Living in Harmony. We hope wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, you've been having a good day. My name is Delmar.
1: I am Robert.
2: And I'm April.
0: And our job here is to just come alongside of you. At the end of the day, this entire podcast is about parents. And we are not your children's parents. You are. But our hope is that we can be an encouragement to you. And before we started recording today, we were talking about what do you call what we have to talk about today? And we've got we've got a couple ideas about that. But before we get to that, I just want to know what you get into this week in your own homes. Uh,
1: This week, I was traveling. I was actually in Arizona uh, for work, and um, interestingly enough, it snowed while we were there, and they closed the, the the office where I was working. So we got a snow day. Got to got to sit and watch the two inches of snow as it promptly melted off by noon. But yeah, that's it. Was it was interesting? You know, living in South Carolina, I don't see snow that often. Although I've seen it before, but it was kind of fun.
0: Nice snow day with no family. Snow and family. Family makes snow better.
1: It it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking to April on the phone, and and she says, "You going to go play in the snow?" I'm like, "No, not not really, because it's not but if really you could a thing."
0: Throw a snowball in your child's face. <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Would do that all the time. What about you, April?
2: Well, let's see. So he was off for his work trip. I was I was at home. Uh, you know, working, doing things around the house and apparently unbeknownst to myself sitting around while our, uh, both of our freezers in our garage,
1: uh, this is a sad got story. turned off. Oh no.
2: Yeah. We found that out this, or this weekend. So yeah, we have two full freezers full of, um, spoiled food now that, food oh. that has to get thrown out. So, you so that's going like to be, that's going to be our no. project. Oh. Oh, no. No, no, no. By the time it was discovered, it was too late. So that's kind of what was going on <laughs> later this week.
1: Yeah, that's a very sad thing. The, 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 the good news is we caught it before it like rotted, so mm. it doesn't smell okay, super bad. So, but the bad news is we didn't catch it in time to, to salvage Ugh, pretty much no. anything. It all defrosted. Very sad.
2: Two freezers full of meat. Hey, sometimes <laughs> what
0: happens in your family this week isn't...
1: Joyful. That <laughs> is a true statement. This week, but you was, know what?
2: I I chose to see positive in it, and I thought I told Robert. I said, you know, at least now we got to we'll have our freezers defrosted. We true. can wipe them down, yeah. reload it, start over.
1: Small <laughs> consolation, but but some positive silver
0: lining. Yeah. Uh, this week, what would have been my grandmother's birthday? She passed away. This is her first. You know birthday away from us and uh so what we did is my mother and her brothers and sisters decided they wanted to throw kind of like a birthday party for nanny at my papa's so yesterday i grabbed the kids hannah stayed here she had to take care of some stuff at the home and we went to papa's house and we were able to eat her catfish stew which april says she's never had so i'm gonna have to make it is so good we had catfish stew and then fried bass and brim it was so good so
2: i have had that
0: yeah the <laughs> so so it's so funny because today we just got done with church and i text my wife i brought her a plate home i said hey you can you can have that for lunch today if you want it she goes oh i looked at it that that doesn't really seem like me <laughs> which is her nice way of putting there's country food and then there's what you brought home <laughs> right <laughs> so i said good i know what i'm having for lunch today so give me the catfish stew and some rice and i'm good to go but uh, anyways, it was really nice. We went out in graveside and, and put a couple balloons in the air and, uh, you know, kind of got to be with Papa. That was that was a tough moment, you know. I can't imagine 50-something, some, 60-something years married and then that. But it's one of those things. Not every week's a good week. Not every week's a bad week. But sometimes it's kind of a mixture. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think Truth. yesterday was a mixture because, you know, my little boys were there beside the grave and they're like, where's name? Well, This is her first official birthday in the presence of her creator, like mm. physically. That's... It's pretty. I don't know how all that works, but on this side of eternity, it's a pretty cool thought. So, as we get into today's content, let's go ahead and let's roll into what's in the culture. So, we debated on what to call this, and we we kind of landed on this as a National Lampoons Go to Church because <laughs> if, if you've seen any of the Go on Vacation or Christmas, you know that it's all. Chevy chase has this grand idea about what it's going to be. And then reality sets in. And, uh, do you remember the one episode where he drugged the, the one, the movie where they drugged the dog behind the car. Did you see that one? They chained up the dog. They were at a, they were at a restroom stop and, and, they got down the road and the cop pulls them and evidently they chained their dog up behind the car <laughs> and they had this beautiful idea this would be a great vacation and they'll be killing their dog and crashing their car and and the reason we chose that is because I think as parents especially when your kids are younger you have this idea we're church folk we go to church we're Christians we have these values and we are just going to ride down the road and instill them into our kids. And then they're going to be these mighty church warriors. And then you find out they have their own little personalities and they have their own strengths and their own failures.
1: Turns out our children are fallen too. How about oh my that? gosh.
0: What's this original <laughs> sin thing? No mm. one told me about that, but yeah, a hundred percent. So today what we're really talking about at its core is how do we get our, our children engaged in church beyond the level of, Oh, I took them because, um, if you take somebody, I can take my kid to a place long enough. It doesn't uh, mean there's transformative value in it if they're not really getting it. So I'm sure that you, both of you have witnessed this. Yeah. So before we got any of our pointers, I mean, y'all, you guys story, your children have all by the grace of God remained engaged in their faith and in church And was there a point in your two relationship where you had to, you had to conversate, like, what does this look like? How far are we going to go with this? Where are the breaks? Any of that stuff?
1: Well, we started, I mean, what you said, you know, you can't just show up and take them, but, but that's kind of where you have to start. And so we had always known, you know, as a, as a family, as a married couple, um, you know, we were Christ followers when we got married. We have always intended to raise our family that way. So for us, it was, you know, that was just the, the the next step, right? It's what we did, and so you know, we we didn't really have to talk about whether or not we we would. It was just how do we how do we execute this plan?
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. What about you, April? Any any, you know, bringing your kids to church? Did you ever have any seasons where it was more difficult than others, and you're just like, we just got to do it, or?
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think our kids always, that's what they've known since, since, you know, birth. I think, um, I mean, this isn't really what you meant, but as far as difficulties, I would say the most difficult time was honestly when, um, our daughter was a a baby and a toddler because she, um, so we found out years later, she's introverted, right? She's an introvert. Um, she didn't, and she also didn't like being left with people that were strangers or not us. And we didn't, me being an extrovert, I didn't really have an understanding of that yet, but she was the baby that cried every, every Sunday. And that's not an exaggeration. Like if you think I'm, you know, I'm talking in generalities saying every, but it, it was every, um, we would get paged every week with, because she was crying (laughs) to the point of not being consoled in, in, you know, in the, the nursery. And, um, There were some times where I probably spent, I don't know how many months not hearing a sermon because I had her out, you know, I would have to go pick her up from the nursery and go take her out, you know, in the, um, you know, kind of lobby area and things like that. And, um, finally, um, you know, I, I just kind of talked with the nursery people and said, if you will just let me in there and to stay with her for a little bit, then she'll learn that, she can calm down and maybe look around and realize it's okay being here. But that was the only time really where we had a struggle with a kid, and it was just something like that. But, you know, she got past it. So,
0: And I think, you know, there's so many different varieties of parents. You know, both of y'all are lockstep with the Lord. So you had <clears throat> this agreement. Uh, I know for me in my house growing up, my dad was not a believer until I was 15, so those first 14 years, he was, you know, what you call a rope burn victim. You know, they drug him to church. He was the dog behind the car, so to speak. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, I remember specifically, it was a Sunday night. My mom was going to church. And looking back at this now, I can imagine how this hit as a parent. But uh, I looked at her and I said, well, dad doesn't go. I don't want to go. And I remember her saying, oh, and she just walked out the house. And And now as a parent i can imagine how my mom felt driving to church that night you know now very graciously god saved my dad you know and now i mean he was at church longer than i was last week on during the services mm-hmm. you know for all of them even sunday nights and i've i've seen that transformation but i i guess what i'm trying to say is everybody's story is unique and not all parents are on board with it some parents have a different opinion on how you should approach it, uh, and, and we're going to try to talk about a few of those things, and, and if, you're, if you're a note taker or if you're a, you know, a rememberer, there's a few things we just want to submit that would, would help this conversation in your family and help create an environment that gives your children not just permission, but hopefully more of a desire to be amongst believers because we know the value of, of your child being around other adults who have the same morals and principles and beliefs as us and worldview, because if not, it's easy for our kids to be like, well, that's just my parents. Mm -hmm. And then they go to college and they're like, well, no one else believed this. But if they're Mm -hmm. from an established community with hundreds of believers, maybe then when they see opinions other than the world, they know there's a large, large base of other people. So that kind of brings us to our first point, and it's going to sound simple, but man, I think it's so hard, right? And that is this one first thing: when it comes to we wanting our children to get engaged in church, is that we need to lead by example mm-hmm. as parents. So when I strike that, there's a few thoughts behind that, but just how does that hit you in in, in the vein of this conversation?
1: Now, I think that's you know kind of where you started a minute ago. You 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 can't just take them, but you you have to take them, right? You have to go, and you have to make it a uh, make it a habit as a family that this is, this is something we do every weekend. You know, we, we go, um, we go spend time, you know, in worship, we spend time learning about what God wants us to do and how he wants us to be. We spend time learning about who we are in, in, in his sight and how that affects how we live. And, and, and when you, when you just lead that example, and it's not just by going and showing up, it's also uh, and I think we'll dive into this a little bit deeper later, but it's also about about you know the application, the the learning. So when you take your faith seriously um, as a parent, when you take your faith seriously uh, as an adult, then then that that helps the kids to know, oh, this is this is something important. Just like it is if you if you eat well, or just like if you exercise, or just like if you wash the dishes every night and 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 do those things, you know, those are things that that um, it's easier to tell the lesson. Uh, to teach the lesson when you're also doing the action yourself.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think that's key because, um, you know, we're, we're all familiar with the phrase, you know, um, do what I say, not what I do. Mm -hmm. And it just, it doesn't work and it doesn't work with, it doesn't work with raising kids either. And so I think that we, if we have an expectation of what we want our kids to be, uh, participating in, as far as you know, looking at church not as a thing that you do if you feel like it, but as something that you know you do because we are followers of Christ. Then yes, we we lead we lead by example, and we are able to say, "Follow me and do what I do," instead of I know this is what I do, but do what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and because there's a, you know, I think a lot of us it's easy to be like, well. I don't want to just throw that out there and then they have to just follow it. But, you know, sometimes you you give an example. This is why you should follow it. But sometimes they can't comprehend it because they're not they're not there that they haven't lived it. Does that mean we shouldn't try in our own way to explain it? No, but it's kind of like touching this stove. I tell my child, don't touch it. Why? Because it's hot. It doesn't look hot. It doesn't smell hot. Listen, it's hot. You don't understand. you touch it, you're going to get burned. They don't they they don't understand it sometimes. They don't see fire, which is so what do they do? They touch it. So what I tell them is like, listen, you don't you, you don't need a reason. Just don't do it. And the problem is when I don't give them any reason, they touch it, right? Yeah. right. So so I got to try to help explain as best I can. Understanding, sometimes they may not understand the full reason why they need to be in 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 service. And that's why leading by example is so important. Listen, Your kids need to see you go to church sometime when you don't want to.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like your kids need to know that you don't want to go today and then they need to watch you go. Right. You just got back from vacation. You drove from Florida yesterday. It's been eight hours. You got home at nine last night on a Saturday. What's our first inkling? Sleep. Sleep. (laughs) When your kids know we're getting up and going to church, like, you're not having to explain it. You're you're doing it. You know. Um, le- let your kids see you being in a small group. Like we're in. We are in a small group on Tuesdays. Right. My children know every single Tuesday night, mom and dad are leaving home, or someone's coming to our house to watch them. And they they say y'all have Bible study tonight. They know that. So they they know this is a, a core value in our family. You know. So even as much as I'm getting by attending it, they're getting it just by knowing we're attending. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's real important when it comes to leading by example. It's it's not just forcing your kids. It's you saying, watch me. I'm going to be involved in it. So that's our that's one encouragement here. If you want your children to be involved, then you need to lead by that example. I had someone one time, and her children both played softball. And she said, well, when they were younger, they were doing dance, right? And I remember they didn't. she didn't bring her kids to church because they were dancing. And her thing was, she told me, well, there's only there's only a short season where they're going to dance. Then they found softball in high school, travel ball, which is like its own religion it can be, right? Mm. Definitely. So anything can be an own religion. But I remember her saying, well, they're not going to be professional softball players. This is only the season they can do it in. So we're going to have to miss virtually everything for this sport and now she's wondering oh why my kids get involved in church because they're on their own now it's like they're they're thinking one day there'll be a season for that and what we what we want to sell our kids is not just a season for being in worship
2: it's a lifestyle <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. it's just it's it's part of what you do
1: yeah, I mean 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Pauls telling the the Corinthians there, he's like follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And yes. I I heard a long time ago, you know, a uh I think it was a youth leader said that to me. It's like what what a higher what higher call could you say is to just be like me, right? And and that's we we see that in coaches and and fitness trainers and other things like that. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to go um, you know, be a you know learn basketball from someone who's never played basketball before um you know you want to you would you'd much rather learn from an nba all-star right because that's the person who can show you and in the same way if we're trying to teach our kids these spiritual truths you know what better way than to say you know do what i'm doing which is not always the same as saying do what I always have done because we've all got those things in our yeah. past and sometimes those are those are those are life lessons that we can we can point back to and say hey I did this wrong when I was your age you know and I know I, I know I did this wrong and here was the consequence of that uh, so it's it, and I think it's it's difficult for us sometimes to to own that and mm-hmm. to say Oh, Yo, you know what I didn't behave in you know whatever way. Uh, appropriately when I was 16. So therefore mm-hmm. it's unfair of me to ask my 16 year old to do that. It's like, well, no, you know, maybe you did something stupid when you were 16 and, and, and now you need to say, uh, don't be dumb. Like I was dumb.
0: Yeah. And leading by example is often a path of humility, right? Yes. And it's, and it's knowing what values you have in a family. I know another family, their daughter played travel ball and sometimes they had tournaments on Sunday and the father was one of the coaches And he said, listen, if we're playing on a Sunday, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to be in church. So they would drive to town and they would find sometimes a church. Or if they had a game, he would say, all right, before you even leave this hotel, meet in the lobby, we're going to have a devotion. We're going to pray together. We might sing. He made sure that that practice, even though they couldn't be with their own church families that week, that the practice was still there. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is such a wonderful way to lead by example, because um, it's saying, listen, we'll make it work. That's, that's, that's the example. So, um, another thing, a second thing we'd say, if you want to create a culture, um, that would foster your children going to church, this one of course requires you to be involved, but it's this need to make church fun. Um, you know, I think some churches think that the kids should just sit there and be quiet, but, I worked with Young Life for about six years, and you know, there's a bigger conversation about Young Life, but I will say this. The guy who created it had a great quote. He said, it's a sin to bore the kids with the gospel. Mm. I'm like, man, yeah. And when I think about make church fun, what we're not saying is make it a joke. Those are two different things. Right. Or make,
2: and we're not saying make it just entertainment, a form of entertainment.
0: Yes, because because that's not necessarily what what fun is. Um, have y'all ever seen? How are some sp- times y'all have seen where church was fun in a biblical way?
2: Oh, every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's I don't true. know. We we. I just. I you know. I think with the right mindset, it's it is fun. And when you think about, um, when you think about, it's you know, it's a celebration. It's a time for us as believers to come together and you know worship together. And, you know, sermons are great and it's just like a, it's, it's like a family reunion every week, you know? So.
1: And, and that hasn't, that hasn't been true at every point in our lives as we've moved around, um, in the military and, and, and different places, not every place we've been, we could point to and say, you know, Hey, this is going to be a fun sermon. You know, how many movie quotes is the, is the pastor going to put in there? Um, you know, this week. Uh, So sometimes it's, it's been other things, but I think, You know, one of the things that's important is to, you know, when you have small children, you know, make sure that the, that the programs are engaging and, and make sure that you kind of get to know who those leaders are and figure out what's, what's going on in those rooms. And don't just expect that when you drop your kids off, um, that they are, you know, that they are, uh, learning or enjoying, talk to your kids about what's going on, you know, have those conversations yeah, you know, and this, this kind of leads into a, another point that we'll, we'll come back to later, but, but have those conversations with your kids when you're driving home from church. Um, you know, what was it that you guys learned today? You know, maybe in the sermon, maybe in your, in your Sunday school room or your, 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 your group room or wherever the kids are. Um, what did you learn and how can we, how can we make that work?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, the way you're able to unpack that itself is you're carrying you're carrying on what happened in church. You're showing this isn't an isolated thing. This is a part of our life. Uh, in in, the, in that same vein of of keeping it fun, here we go. I'm gonna share. Some parents may not think this is fun, okay? But this is part of our job to make it fun. If you want to make sure that that church is an atmosphere that invites your child to draw into the Lord, and it, one of the best ways to do that, you ready? Serve serve in the kids department specifically. If you have a child in the student children like drop in, Hey, I will step into the nursery once a month. Cause, and this is why this is important. You're going to be able to know if those kids are being fed spiritually. And also, and I'm speaking as somebody on staff at a church, you're going to be able to give valuable feedback that sometimes staff may not see. Right? right? Like, like if someone, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm leading kids ministry and for example, my leaders are frazzled, I'm like, why? Well, we don't have a schedule and we don't have the supplies we need. Well, then we're not helping that environment. So one of the things you can do as a parent is get involved in the programs your kids are in. Some parents are like, well, I'm a, my kid doesn't want to be around me because he's in high school you know what? Talk to your student pastor. Talk to your lead pastor about it if you don't have a student pastor. But like, how can you get involved? Because that's how you're going to be able to see if your child's getting engaged. We have a rather introverted student ministry, which I actually think is really cool. It's a it's a gift we've been given. I have quite a few parents who come and it's so helpful because the student will sit by themselves and I'm sitting here going, oh no, are they having the worst day of their life? And their dad's like, no, that means my kid's enjoying it. Because if he wasn't enjoying it, he'd be fidgeting, he'd be hanging out with me. So it's very helpful. If you want to help church be an engaging place for your kids, go be where your kids are. And then, in the most appropriate way you can, provide feedback
1: and that doesn't always mean that you have to be in the same room with Absolutely your kid. Not. So if it's one of those situations where it's like, yeah, my kid sort of misbehaves when I'm in the room, and you know, that that happens to I think it happens to everybody sometimes and to some people all the time, you know. It, 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 maybe it's okay, I'll work in the the classroom next door or mm-hmm. I'll help out someplace else where I can be around and I can sort of see it, but and, and so I I get to understand that. And honestly, you know, it, it is fun. And and I'm I'm not a person who you know, I always loved hanging out with my own kids. I didn't always love hanging out with other people's kids. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like that. Um At, at least, especially when they're,
2: like the little ones. Yeah, when
1: they're when they're little. But there's something really entertaining about watching you know a group of six year olds playing and doing oh, things. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it is it it's just you know detaching yourself and 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 just watching them enjoy running in circles. <laughs> you know, that's more mm-hmm. of a more of a three or four year old thing. But just watching them run in circles and giggle is just it's just really enjoyable sometimes.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Did either of you learn how to swim the way I was the way I learned how to swim my birthday, my aunt, we went into the deep end. She was holding me. She goes, I'm going to stop holding you now. And she just let go. (laughs) Like that's how I learned. And it was terrifying. But I learned how to swim on my birthday because of my aunt Vicki. And That was not fun the first 20 seconds, you know, when I feel like I'm, but what she did is she helped me see, listen, just trust. I'm going to bring you here. I'm dropping you off. Just trust. You know, it's like my little girl yesterday, my aunt makes this stuff called chocolate eclair. It's amazing. Okay. Sounds amazing. It's gosh. It's, they will have it in heaven. I am convinced. Mm. And Nora, my little girl comes up and it looks like, like chocolate vanilla pudding, but it's way more than that and i put some on a spoon and she goes uh uh cuz she did, she she looked at it she didn't like the way it looks mm-hmm. i just touched her lips with it and then she <laughs> licked her lips she ate the rest of my chocolate eclair almost because oh, yeah. it was awesome <laughs> but it's like sometimes the way your children receive things they need is parent you got to give them that taste they now don't even know
1: that was true for us with with um <clears throat> excuse me with vegetables you know, and strangely enough, I mean, and, and so we, we always had, you know, there were always, we always just ate vegetables of various things and we tried to make them good. And that didn't always mean drown it in cheese. Um, and, and so, you know, as they got older, that was just something that they, you know, they would get to a point where they were, there were certain things they wouldn't eat. Um, and one of our kids whom I will not name has a, has a bigger problem with eating vegetables than the other two. Uh, but, but it's still a thing that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, but that's good for you. And there's a, there's a thing about, you know, spiritual vegetables. Sometimes you have to, you have to start that, and you have to say, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go do this thing, and maybe we'll do the thing together yeah. for a little bit, and, and then, you know, you'll find your own way, you know, to, to enjoy it yourself.
2: But you know, okay, so you said something interesting there that I just thought I might. Um,
1: well, everything I on. say is interesting. So <laughs> there's that.
2: So, you know, when you talked about our kids and vegetables and I'm thinking back to when they were young and it is true, our kids were really good veggie eaters. And sometimes people would ask, how did you get them to like, you know, you're talking toddlers and stuff that would eat all kinds of vegetables. And my response was, well, when they were, you know, babies and starting to eat solid foods, that's what we gave them. And there was no option. It wasn't like, well, should we give them the cookies today? Or should we give them the veggies? And so Mm. if they wanted food, they ate, you know, (laughs) the the veggies and other stuff, but that was, that became, that's what they knew. And they were, did they get to have eventually cookies and other things? Well, I mean, eventually, sure. But there was a Good, solid foundation for um especially with our older kids years, our younger kid, of course, youngest, ended up as my older two kids have told us, um, apparently he was able to start having cookies and stuff earlier than the other two had, but you know i 'm like well that 's what happens with the youngest kid, and you guys are going to drive before him, so be quiet, but anyway, you know the point is is that they all had this foundation. Of that is that was the expectation. That's what was given. That was what was offered, and that's what they had. And so, to them, eating all these different veggies was normal.
0: It was fun. Yeah. See, fun should be baseline, right? Like when we say fun, like you said, it's not in, it's not in entertainment. We're talking about just something I enjoy being mm-hmm. at, mm-hmm. and and which brings us to our next one is when it comes to like creating that atmosphere. Um, be serve with your children in church. Right, serve in your like if your church is going and feeding at a food shelter, go with them. If your church is going on a mission trip, go with them. it, it is okay to tell your youth program at the church, my child cannot come to this function because we are serving here in the church. Mm. Your youth, your youth person or child person may not be okay with it, but it's the right thing. Uh, we have a couple students sometimes they don't go to what we call our connection group on Sunday morning because they're teaching children's church to our young kids under their mother who helps head up that children's department. That's good. These, these students are are learning there's so much more in the bigger scope. So get involved with your children serving and not necessarily in their same age category. Let them break out. They say it takes an average of four to five solid relationships that a child must have with another adult outside of their parents and staff at the church to keep them in the church so they have that relational strength. So get involved, serve. If there's missions, go on missions, Um, but but find out where you can. And if there's not a place, well, then that's where you have a conversation with somebody. Or maybe that's God calling you to create that place.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And I think um, something else that's important about serving, you know, somewhere in the church is that I think – I think kids kids need to understand there's more to church than just the children's department or just the youth ministry. And you know, those things are those things are okay, but they need to have the ability to form an understanding and a pattern and a lifestyle of there's more to church than just I show up to to youth ministry or I show up, I get dropped off for children's this or that, and, and that's church. And so that's serving together in other capacities and, you know, having them, you know, it, it, I think it, it helps them recognize a broader picture than just what's in it for me.
1: And I think that also would help help them to stay engaged as, you know, as kids transition from you know, from junior high to high school, especially high school, out into you know to beyond that, whether it's college or, or something else, that you have, uh, um, you know, if they understand that there are other places for them to be involved, then they they understand, you know, oh, you know, I'm not in student ministry anymore, you know, I'm not doing this this thing with my with just my peers anymore. Oh, but there's still something here for me. It's not. It doesn't just evaporate. And I know that's a that's a problem culturally, at right. least um, in in the United States right now, that that tends to happen. You know, you tend to have these kids who are really strong in high school, and then they they graduate and they they don't transition very well. And I think keeping them involved in other places, mm-hmm. you know, even from from younger ages, from very young ages, keeping them involved in other things, it helps them to understand that church is about more than just that youth program.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's why it's it's very important to have cross generational opportunity in your church Mm -hmm. even in our student ministry um right now quite a lot of parents come because i want the students to know this is a larger thing than what's going on so we've got one more kind of big point and then one big thought and then we're going to move on to uh, what we talked about in church today because that was that was very good i keep saying that every week when they when they stink we promise we'll tell you but dan uh the lord is using him he is crushing it but real quick one one more thing we we want to go ahead and say is um you know i grew up cutting grass with dad and we would have hedges and i hate cutting hedges i hate it cuz you're just sweating your you're throwing a hedger and like oh man but like when you get done you step back and look at it you're like this is it this is the shape they're supposed to be in and it's the same way with our children sometimes our children if we're doing these things well and if if things are going the way they should be they are engaged in church but it's real easy if you've ever been in church and you serve you know how easy it is to get sucked into doing everything. And I know quite a lot of parents, even you guys have really in the past had some moments where your children were too stretched out and they were like hedges that were growing wild in front of the house. And you're like, this is going to be painful, but you're going to have to cut back on some of this, not because we don't want you involved in church, but because we want you to, to have the correct form in church and not be burnt out.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We had that um, I think all of our kids, at some point in time, you know, it, either because they uh, enjoyed the various things they were doing and said, "I want to do that," "I want to do that," "I want to do that," or um, because they were asked to. They showed a they showed a talent or an aptitude um, in an area and were were asked to participate in something. and And sometimes that's what God uses to to tell us what our what our areas of giftedness are. It's like, oh, you know, someone else comes out and says, "You're really good at that." Have you considered dot dot dot? And sometimes we need that—we um, need that kind of prompting. But sometimes that just happens so much, and we don't want to say no, and we don't understand how to put our, you know, how to how to put our boundaries on there. And I really like your illustration of a hedge, because in order to do that, you sort of have to know what the hedge is going to look like. I mean, you could make it square, you could make it sort of rounded, you could give it—you could give it a different shape. And if you, as the gardener, you know, understand what it's what it's supposed to be. Um, because you know what that plant does and you know what the purpose is supposed to be, whether it's, you know, being pretty or whether it's, you know, security or whether it's just, you know, screening visually. You know, those, are, those are different purposes and you prune it differently for those purposes. And I think it's important for us to... You know to acknowledge that that God is our gardener, and he he uses that illustration. Jesus used that illustration. We're not making that up, right? That he's going to you know he's going to prune us in certain ways, and we have to be be willing to allow that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, I th- I think that you know it can be hard sometimes because sometimes you're looking at things. If you have a if you have a child who is involved in a lot of things, you know, at at church, it you know it can seem it can feel sometimes maybe wrong having to say, no, you're going to have to cut that part out or that's something you need to take a break from, or you need to say no to that. Because those Um, are all good things. right, Right. Because they're good things. And, and, but just because something is a good thing and, um, something as a Christian that would be a good thing to be involved in, it doesn't mean that that's the right thing for you right now. And, you know, that can be taken the wrong way to where people use that as an excuse to not be involved at all. Right. And that's not, obviously, that's not what we're talking about. But um, you know, if you're, you know, we, we've we had situations in the past with our kids where we've had to sit down and say, look, all of these things, these are good things, but you know, you're stretched too thin or you're not able to do this and this area because you're so involved in this area, and so we need to sit down and, and think about a reasonable amount of commitment so that you know you, so that you can you can function and, and do the things you need to do and 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 do what God's calling you
1: to do. And talk about modeling. We had to do that in our I mean, we've had to do that in our own lives. Yeah. We've been overextended. Mm-hmm. You know, we've there's been a couple of times in in our lives where one or the other has just been way overtaxed and and we allowed ourselves to get in there and we had to pull back and that's so that's another thing that modeling and having that discussion you know and being being honest about it is is important
0: absolutely and and as someone who's been on the receiving end mom dad said we need to cut back on things that hurt i'm not it hurts but you know what hurt your pastor for the glory of god to raise your kids and i will say this now this is one thing that you guys did especially well when your kids had to do it with me you you pulled me aside. You said, "Hey, Nathaniel's going to be talking to you. He's going to be stepping out." But we've had a conversation, and and that's very helpful. And Ashley was like, "Okay, this makes sense." Um, but you know, one encouragement there is, you know, we I don't I don't trim my hedges to punish them for growing. Mm-hmm. I trim them because I want them to grow, and I want them. So, you know, I've seen parents are like, "Well, their grades are failing. I'm grounding them from church." you should probably grab them from a smartphone for church, you know, <laughs> yeah. if we're going to be honest, which kind of brings to the Perfect last video games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then honestly, if, if, if your child is struggling with their grades, the church should be a place you can come to get help for that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people in your church. You can tutor your kids and help, um, which kind of brings to, to just a last little aside. Cause I, I want to make sure we get to our give good stewardship to our other time, but you know, as much as possible, I apply my house rules when it comes to church In the sense that, you know, my kids, they don't get to decide when they are going to start driving their car. (laughs) You know, I get to decide when they get there restricted and when we're going to go somewhere and what we're going to do. My kids don't get to decide necessarily where we go on vacation, you know, because my kid might want to go. You know, that doesn't mean we might not go somewhere they want to go, but it's our parents. It's, it's, It's our responsibility. And when it comes to just being in church, I think it's it's important to realize as parents we are the spiritual stewards of our families. Our cho- our children so many times can set the pace for our spiritual life. But we're supposed to be setting the pace for them. And and the way I look at it is so many parents are like, "Well, I don't want to force religion down my child's throat. I don't want them I don't want to force God on them." And and fair, okay? Fair. I get that heartbeat. But let me ask you this, for those of you who have kids who are driving or if they're going to drive, when they get their, their license for the first time, are you like, well, you got your license, go figure it out on your own. No parent is going to say, I'm never going to arrive with you and teach you the basics. I'm not going to teach you what good driving looks like. Good luck. But when it comes to instilling our faith, so many parents, we abdicate that on the sense of well, we don't want to force this on our child. But listen, you know the good way. You know the best way. Why wouldn't you want to be in the driver's seat exactly. with them?
1: Well, And why do we make that? Why do we make just that? Um, why, do we, why do we only say that in that area? It's like, I'm not, you know, would, would you ever dream of someone saying, you know, or would you ex- expect or accept another parent to say, yeah, I'm not going to force math on my kids you know, when they're six, I'm not going to force reading on my kids. You know, I'm not going to force school on my kids. You know, I'm going to let, I'm going to let them decide if they want an education. You know, I'm going to let them decide if they want to live indoors. I'm going to let them decide if they want to eat chocolate cake every day for breakfast. Right. No, we don't do that. We make, you know, we make decisions for our children because those decisions are better for them in the long term, And and we have the ability to see that because we've been there, right? We, we are wiser than they are. Um, and our prefrontal cortexes are developed our brains are more developed and we can see those long-term consequences in a way that they can't. And so I think it's I think it's you know like you said I, I understand the mindset of I'm not going to force you know I'm not going to force religion on my kid but we force a lot of things on our kids and we should you know we we should be trying to, um, encourage them, we should be trying to, to guide them into the truth, all the truths, all the things that are true, you know, and whether that's math or whether that's, um, you know, uh, truth about Jesus. I mean, those are, those are things we should be trying to do.
0: And there is some truth in that. You cannot force Christianity to your child. That is a relationship. That is a faith that's been gifted to them by the Lord. You can't force conversion. But we also know Scripture is very clear. Faith comes through hearing hearing the word, hearing it proclaimed. If you're not getting them in an environment where they're not hearing the word that is on you, that Mm -hmm. is on you because you're, yeah, you can't convert them, but you can put them in an opportunity where they can at least look at what's there. And now, okay, that's between them and the Lord. And that's just real clear that we draw that line. And I think that's some, some feet to the fire that even I myself need, right? Like we all need to have, I'm responsible. For, I'm, I have to answer for that. Just like your child. I'm going to make sure my kid gets education. When he graduates high school, if he wants to continue it, that's him. Okay? If, if he wants to go into military, wants to be a, a contractor, if he wants to, you know, change oil in cars, cool. That's him. But our job is to get them there. And and for our family, this is part of it. This is part of it because um, it's the way the Lord's got us. So, um, And sometimes, as we know, it doesn't work out right? Like we, we try to get our children involved in church. Sometimes, you know, um, I heard one guy on the internet said, your children are the greatest source of joy and simultaneously your greatest source of heartache. And I don't know if you're a parent listening right now, some of you've, you've experienced both of those. Some of you right now, you are in seasons of great joy. Your child's accomplishing a lot according, you know, in your vow, in your worldview. Some of us are in here like, I don't know what happened or I don't know what's happening. Um, Some some of you as parents right now, you're struggling with things that have nothing to do with your children. But you know how much that impacts us raising our kids. That's why it's so important that we want to get in today. What we talked about in church today. What we talked about in church today was big. Uh, This is Dan was wrapping up Psalm 23. He's mining every bit of gold out of the sheep pasture that we're in and we were in verses five and six today and he was really leaning into these these four four things that he's offering us in times of just suffering in times of when life gets hard when you don't know what you did wrong when you don't know what what's going to happen next and you know to jump right into it, he makes this turn here in this passage where he's my good shepherd, but he's moving towards, you now he's your king, right? He used that language of you see this turn, him being your king. So just on the front end, I would just ask you before we get to the points, how does, as parents, how did this sermon leave you? Because I think this is where we want it to leave us today. How did it leave you?
1: I think for me, it it, it gave me just a, a place to to rest. I mean, and that's that's really where the where the metaphor starts, right? That that he we're lying down in green pastures, and and we're it's it's a place to rest. And and um, you know, I, I think it it allows me to uh, to understand that God as my shepherd, that God, and we talked about God as a gardener a minute ago, but you know, a slightly different metaphor, a completely different metaphor. God is my shepherd. You know, he is going to do the things that are best for me, even when I don't recognize that. He's going to set me in places where it is good for me, even if I don't understand why. He's going to protect me from things, even if I don't see them. Mm. And, and he's going to do all of that for my good. And I, for, for me, that's just a, a great place to, to, to just rest.
2: I know for me I think the word as you were, as you were asking that the word that came to mind for me was hope it just gave me hope and but for some of the same reasons but you know because there are valleys, you know, we we talked about, we've been talking about the valleys through this and whether it's something going on between you and your child that is considered a valley or whether it's something that's happening to your child outside of you that you're having to help parent them through a valley, those are really difficult. And to be perfectly honest, I would say as a parent, it's those times when you're watching your child go through a difficult and painful valley from external situations that's more difficult for me than i think the valley that you sometimes have between you and your child because mm. that there's a lot more for lack of a better word there's a lot more control where that's between you and your child there's there's some behaviors there's some decisions some humility some repentance some things that you guys can you know have a lot more say over than external things but regardless of what the situation is, um, you know, this, I feel like this landed with a lot of hope that, you know, um, he will provide even, you know, regardless of what's going on, he will provide. I mean, he provides that peace and it's, you know, just, I'm just looking back through all of the things he talked about, the persistent love, you know, his eternal presence. And there's a lot of hope there to know that no matter what happens, good, bad, painful, you know, exciting that we have a good shepherd who Mm. is in charge and who nothing takes him by surprise and who we can trust explicitly. We can trust.
0: Yeah. For me, what really hit me and this will lead us into the start of the conversation is God's sovereignty in our suffering.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Like if you, if you remove his sovereignty from our suffering, it's just nihilism isn't it? But like when you see, no, he's still sovereign in it. And in that first passage where he says, you prepare that table for me in the presence of my enemies. That is a, that's a dope move. Okay. I'm just saying it's like, oh, you're my enemies. Sit here and eat a steak in front of them. Okay. (laughs) Because what he's saying is like, even the two things, and then you anoint your head with oil, right? Meaning, meaning even though they're here, I've got this fragrant, calming perfume on me. The illustration Dan used was amazing with the sheep. Go listen to the sermon. I loved it. And it was kind of gross, but it was cool. Mm. (laughs) But it's this whole idea that in, in the front of your enemy, which isn't just necessarily a person, it could be a situation. It could be something in your own head that you're struggling with. It could be a season. He's given us his perfect provision and his perfect peace. He's given us these things and, and I think for me as a parent, sometimes I can be so caught up in the situation that I forget that there's provision, you know, that, that it's right there. One time I was trying to start a fire in the backyard and I was getting so frustrated because the stinking log wouldn't light. And my brother, my brother, my son, he comes, what about these pine cones? He, the pine cones right in front of my face, you know, but I can't get the log started because but there's a pine cone and my little kid sees it. It's like sometimes we we miss the provision Mm -hmm. because we're not we're 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 so focused on the problem.
1: Well, and I think the other the other illustration that Dan used was you know Corey Ten Boom um, you know being being picked up um, being arrested by the Nazis and put in a concentration camp. And there they are in in the 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 barracks where they were living was so infested with fleas that the soldiers wouldn't come in and. That gave them the freedom to worship, the freedom to basically the freedom from being accosted by the soldiers while they were in that, you know, by the prison guards while they were in that area but they still had to deal with the fleas right and so you know god's provision in one sense was also you know it it came with a with kind of a a a backsided a cost but but the you know the way the way she had described it was that 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 provision was so much better and so to be able to look at that situation and say yeah here's a here's a thing that normally i would say oh my bed's infested with fleas that's not a good thing but in this case that had a you know in God's providence in God's provision that had a better uh, a better result and and so you know sometimes uh, the thing that we think is is bad you know in the moment and it might be in one circumstance also causes or or allows God to do something greater in our lives
0: man that's a really good word you look at the passage when I when we think of Psalm 23 we think about this Beautiful passage of God just taking care of us and providing for us. But you notice God's present, but who else is present in the passage?
1: The enemies. Are the, right. enemies.
0: the enemies. The enemies. It doesn't ever say you smites my enemies. He just says, no, in the face of them, I've given you what you need.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and as you go through those struggles in parenting, like leaning into that, sometimes that's the best hope we have at the end of the day.
2: Yeah. I you know something that was really interesting that that we got to experience today in a car ride home. So um our one of our nieces is is staying with us right now. She's come for a, an extended visit. And so she's here for a little over a month and she was with us and um our niece is an amazing amazing young woman and she has been through a lot um of medical trials in her life um that just that started with with birth. Um, and so she just, because of some things, some trauma that happened at birth, I mean, she is, um, highly visually impaired. Um, and there's some other things that she struggles with. Um, but she has had to live her whole life, you know, um, she's, she is legally blind and, um, you know, she, um, uses a, um, you know, a cane stick to, you know, to help her, you know, as she navigates walking. And we were talking on the way home, she has just loved this series. She's loved this series. And she was telling us, you know, she said, I, I'm thankful for my disability. And she said, I, I wish that I could see like other people, but she said, you know, my disability has helped me know that like, that God is, She says that in those valleys, that's, she feels near to God and she feels close to him. And it's just interesting because, you know, Dan was saying, you know, last week, I know we're going back to last week, but if closeness to the shepherd is the goal, the valley is an advantage. And she was actually telling us that like my, my valley, it has been an advantage. And she said, I, it allows me to be able to talk to other people about hope and about, about Jesus and about him taking care and providing and it was just interesting to see her perspective because she, there's, a, there's a constant valley or enemy that she you know, has to walk through um, every day. And she is able to see how God pulls her through and loves her and takes care of her. And, um, and she, she feel is full of hope.
0: And what a testimony because a lot of times people who, who, who struggle... That's a, a way to say, if God was real, why would he let this happen? Mm-hmm. But the fact that she she lives out Psalm 23, it actually goes to the next couple of things Dan was pointing to because he also said, you know, we see in this passage that the mercy and the goodness is with you, and God's going to be with you, not just his mercy and goodness. If, if just God's mercy and goodness is with you, that'd be enough. But then he's also with you. Like, right. oh my gosh, it's just this idea that we have this persistent love and this presence that that is you can't run from it it's, it's very simple it's, I love the analogy from a sheep because the sheep's not you're not getting away that's the purpose of the shepherd right the shepherd pulls you back the shepherd goes and gets us and, and his motivation for doing that is because of his love for this flock for who for the sheep that he's got from birth so you know as a parent you know there's seasons when let's be honest you just don't it's hard Right, it's tough. Like, especially every time your child moves into a new area or a new um, life stage, because I had I just had the other thing figured out, and Mm -hmm. now we're here. You know, like my little son Calvin. He's um he's six, okay, and or five, and he came home the other day talking about a girlfriend. I'm like, dude, you are (laughs) five. Stop
2: it, stop it.
0: (laughs) And I'm like, how do I? How do I navigate this? Like, I didn't I not think I was gonna have that conversation with him at five, you know? So I think it's important for us to realize like he he's persistent there in his love and in his grace and in his mercy. And but but another great warning that Dan gave us is all of this, the beauty of taking suffering, um A band called King's Kaleidoscope writes this song, Beauty from Ashes. I love it because that's what God does, right? He creates beauty from ashes. Um, There's another guy from a, I guess he's kind of a heretic now, but he makes beautiful things out of the dust, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the point is God takes our tragedy and he turns it into triumph, right? But that is only available for those whose hope is in him. And, and I think at, at this time of the podcast, I just, I just want to take a, just a quick minute as we kind of round it out today to say, we really do hope the things we discuss are beneficial. I think sitting down with you two, I, I, I learn so much every week. Selfishly, that's one of the reasons why I want to keep doing it, because I'm learning just from the conversations we have before that helped generate these ideas that we're sharing, you know, all of it is meaningless without Christ because all we're building is a moralistic platitude for you to what have more success in this life. The last thing we want is for any parent listening to this podcast to have well-behaved kids for the sake of well-behaved kids. Right. Because you know, the path to hell is is paved with well-behaved well-intended things. What we want is genuine transformation through understanding that true life, true meaning, true transformation, true triumph, true joy, true hope, true peace, it all begins the moment our heart is placed into Jesus Christ and we receive his righteousness I don't. I don't trust my kids' goodness as far as that juicy fruit gum flavor lasts. The the zebra striped <laughs> one lasts like thirty seconds. I don't trust my kids' righteousness that long. I don't trust my righteousness that long. We're not. This the reason of this podcast is not to help us build our righteousness. It's to help us clothe ourselves in Christ every single Absolutely. day. Mm-hmm. And that's how Dan really ended out this series. It's it's all meaningless. It's all purposeless apart from Christ. There's not one sermon that has any worth if it's not motivated by the gospel. It is just a more pious road to judgment. And, and our encouragement right now is your child is in church. We've been talking about having your child engaged in church. It, when you listen to your sermons, I don't care if you go to Harmony. I don't care if you go to somewhere else. When you listen to your sermons, listen to them and then listen to them. Make sure your pastor is preaching back to the gospel and he's not preaching about how to go out into the secular world and be successful there, please. Um, that, that's, that's the greatest hope we have. And, and we just want to take a minute in this podcast and just share the hope that's in the gospel, that we're all sinners. Jesus came to die for us. So if we believe in him, we have this beautiful lifestyle of repentance and beauty that flows out of us. You know, so many, so many, it's, it's not about rules. It's about the rules he's kept for us. And now we, we get the joy of being obedient and the joy of working that out. And here's the, here's the beautiful thought is, this is just from John. This is eternal life, meaning most fulfilling life that we know him, Hmm. that we know him. So our hope today is like, if you're listening that, that if you don't know him, that, that you would. That you would that you would come to know Him as your Savior. If if your children don't know Him, and they're struggling with hurt, or they're struggling with a bad habit, sure, pray for that bad habit, but pray for their salvation. It is greater for them to meet Jesus than than to overcome a bad habit. So, um, that being said, do you guys have any kind of final thoughts on today as we kind of wrap?
1: No, that is that's a fantastic way to end it. You know, I agree. seek Him. Uh, and, and you'll find him. He's not that far from any of us. Yeah.
0: Be encouraged in the gospel. There is no greater hope. Listen, when you hear the gospel preached, if you're a Christian, don't tune out because guess what? That is for you. That is grace for you to remind you where he has you as well. And we're going to pray that this week over you and over your kids that you will be encouraged in the completed work of Jesus. And we hope to see you next time. Hope you are living in harmony. My name is Delmar. Hi, I'm Robert. And I'm April. Have a great rest of your day.